freaking auto! This, this is Brock and Saul. Brock Heward and Mark, Matt, Marcus. Sorry about just Mike. Mike. Presented by Carter, Volkswagen, and Ballard. On Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Where's like the buff dudes at? Now here are your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Saul. <laughs> Oh, yes. Hello. Good morning. Hi, everybody. Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710, seattlesports.com, Seattle Sports app, and podcast platforms. I, uh, I'm i here live. It's me. It's not a tape. It's not a recording. It's not somebody other you know than me. I'm here as normal, as I always am. But I very seriously contemplated just playing yesterday's show again. I, I mean, I just if the Mariners were going to play the same game as they played yesterday, I don't know why we should have to do a new show. They didn't do anything new. They did all the same stuff. They made all the same mistakes. Can I just do the same thing? I mean, I guess we do some of that every day. We do play you like a little bit of a replay from yesterday's show, but that's a service. That's for people who may have missed it. We play it at a different time. That's helpful. Yeah, it's helpful. We're we're trying to give you our best content as often as we can. And so usually 99% of the time, the content that we replay is the best content. The best thing, the thing we thought you might have missed that you would have wanted to hear, like KJ Wright yesterday. We were worried. We wanted to help you. The Mariners decided to replay their worst day. They decided to do a little do-over like Bill Murray and Groundhog Day on arguably their worst game of the season. Come on, campers, grab your booties because it's cold outside. Doesn't this season feel a little bit like Groundhog Day at this point? Deja vu it. Just deja vu after deja vu after deja vu. Yeah, absolutely. I'm waiting for needle-nosed Ned Ryerson to walk around and ah, try to sell us some life insurance. Do you have <laughs> life insurance? Because I bet you need some. Gosh. It, it, what? No. No, go ahead, because I'm happy to let somebody else talk. I don't have anything nice to say today. I was just going to play a, a Groundhog Day drop, but I, I don't I don't want to pile on as as we all can do as long as we get to that point together it's okay i don't want to start at that point salk you don't want to start at piling I don't want to on start at the pile on well i think yesterday stunk i think yesterday through <laughs> six innings they had maybe three good at bats uh-huh. total for the game what maybe six and i think four of them went to jared kelnick they took their first walk after going through the lineup twice They've got this awful power outage nearly halfway through the year. Eugenio Suarez has seven home runs. Seven. Darn right, Eugenio. You play that sound like you're a computer. Rebooting. (laughs) (laughs) Reboot the Mariner offense, Justin. Ty France has six. Yeah, that's, that's alarming. This is despicable offensive baseball that they are playing right now. It is anemic. It is awful. It is terrible. It is painful. And as I said, they played the same stupid, terrible offensive game that they had played the day before with one gigantic difference. Tuesday was against Garrett Cole, who was one of the better pitchers of his generation. I don't know if he's going to the Hall of Fame 
but he's a really good pitcher. And he certainly has had the Mariners number throughout his career. Not the first time that he has gone, you know, and shoved against the Mariners. Last night was against some chump pitcher in nice weather in a bandbox ballpark. You want to know what the difference is and why it's not just deja vu? Maury, you're right. It's been deja vu all over again all year long. Because last night was in nice weather in a bandbox park with short porch and right field. And some chump came up from AAA and made the Mariners look like a little league team. The heck are we doing out there? Where's Bruce Drennan when you need him? The all-time greatest baseball rant I've ever heard. He's necessary in this thing right now. I, I, I yelled at my family last night. Whoa. I know. I know. I'm not proud of it, Maura. But I just was so mad watching that team. They were terrible. Did they try to ask you questions during it? What happened? I don't know. They, <laughs> I'm hurting all over my body. Thank you, Bruce. That's who I need. Where's Bruce when we need him? Phil, blame him. Phil, blame him. Phil, give him back. You know what? Give him back to the Mets. Just give him back to the Mets, man. We stink. There man. he is. Yeah. Ah. 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 Felbuena. 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 Fel. Give him back. You know what? Give him back to the Mets, man. I. Somebody said he should be in Columbus tonight. I said. I said. Send him to Mahoning Valley. He can't do any harm there. They, they haven't, haven't even, even started, started their, their season. season. Oh. oh, oh! I am in such pain. Pain, I say. Oh, I have a pain in my side on this side. I got a pain on my side on this side. My knees hurt. My elbow, my elbow hurts, hurts like, like LeBron. LeBron. Most of all, my head hurts. My I'm psyche's hurt. Oh, hurt. Darn it. I'm hurting all over my body. Head to toe. Head to toe. Oh, God. We stink. Stink. Well, he was talking about the Indians at the time. And poor Valbuena, RIP. I mean, it's not, it, it is sad that unfortunately his, his, uh, he's no longer with us. But the rant stands. Yeah. We stink, man. And when he says it, it, it it's like part Rip Taylor in there, too. Don't you just feel every second of that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm hurting all over my body. Well, it... Head to toe. The... And I wrote this in the email last night. Watching the bottom half of a lineup of names that I that I don't know. Well, you don't know Billy the, McKinney? The who are doing the damn... Well, I do know Jake Bowers. You don't know Billy McKinney? Hmm. It's funny, because I wrote it down, because I have... Here, hold on, hold on a second. I have my need-to-know stuff written down. I wrote down Billy McKinnon. And then this morning, I was like, hey, let me look up Billy McKinnon and see who that guy is. Maybe he's like, you know, some superstar stud that I wasn't you know, supposed to know about. Yeah. Well, it turns out it's not even his name. Billy McKinnon is like some Scottish something. So I'm looking around I'm like, well, that's not the right guy. Then I look up Billy McKinnon baseball. That's not the right guy. It turns out the real name is Billy McKinney. And he's hit two home runs in two days against your two best pitchers. Head to toe. Four two five has an idea of what happened here. What? Remember how you guys ranked that because the Mariners need to wake up. Yeah. Ranked yeah wake sure, yesterday. Yeah. They said if you ask me, yesterday was not shocking. The fact that you're ranked put someone deeper into a coma is pretty common. Well, that's just wrong, oh, that's and there's really no reason to say that. I'm hurting all over my body. Thank you. 
head to toe. If we have that kind of power, then what should we do it today? I guess is sleep. Yeah, we'll see if we can go in the opposite direction. We've Psychology. Done we'll go, we've done sleeps, oh, naps, boy. rests. Despicable offensive baseball guys. The approach that appeared to be getting better last week got worse, which I didn't even think was possible. The approach the last two games in New York, more you asked why I was so unhappy with the the, the winning series against the White Sox, because it looked like it was leading to this. And because it's June, not because it's April. It's a fair question, by the way. I don't begrudge you asking the question. It's a it's a real question. Right? We can all be hypocrites at times, myself included. I'll raise my hand. We can all be hypocrites. Sometimes our logic is is fallible. In this case, maybe I'm being a little hypocritical, but I think I would also say that that's an April series where, all right, just get wins and you kind of figure it out. I heard people last night hitting me up like, Salk is still too early? No, of course not. It's June 22nd. But am I going to bury a team on April 22nd? No. Of course not. We've seen too much too much evidence of teams that, you know, drag their way out of those slumbers early. But it's June 22nd. Mm-hmm. It's go time, man. And that's why it was starting to get so frustrating. Yeah, all right. You can win series against Chicago despite playing some lousy baseball at times. And they did that. But you go to New York, and this isn't even a real New York team. This isn't the Yankees. This is Scranton Wilkesbury. This is some collection of nobodies. What's the guy's name again who pitched last night? I never heard of the guy. Johnny Burrito. Johnny Burrito. He, br- Burrito. <laughs> oh, Burrito. Sorry. Yeah, he, he made his MLB debut <laughs> Sorry this about season, that. as a matter of I don't mean to make fun of the man's name. It's a man's name. Yeah. I just misheard you. Yeah, but you're, he came in with like a four, no, three. Three? His three, ERA was four. five and a half or something yesterday. Yeah. What do you mean three? No, I'm trying to three. Rec- what a record. whip of three! His record was there was three no ERA four. of three. I'll tell you that much. That guy was giving up like three walks and hits yeah. per innings pitch. Johnny yeah. Brito, get out of here! But he did start the season in Triple A. He was in Triple A until yesterday, Justin. He had to be called up for this game. He could have been watching a Hershey Bears game while he was down at Scranton Wilkesbury. They're not that far away from each other. But he did make his major league debut this season in April. So he yeah, well, he's, back and forth he, twice. whatever. He made you look ridiculous yeah. yesterday yeah. because of your approach. And then, in true Mariner fashion, because the pitching is still decent enough to keep you in the game, you bring the tying run to the plate in the ninth inning. Teo gets a hanging slider in the middle of the plate and pops it to center field. <laughs> Big fat. That's what. That's the worst part. When a team gets a two nothing, three nothing lead on you early, and it feels insurmountable. That's ridiculous. But it I kind hate, of feels that way. I hate what I watched yesterday. I hate it. I hate what I watched yesterday. Absolutely couldn't stand it. I'll watch it again tonight because I have to, and I'm that's what I do, and and because I'm addicted to baseball. I want to watch it tonight. That's how sick I am. I can't wait to watch tonight's game and see if they can do better. I love this sport, but God, when it's played like that, is it sickening to watch? Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know.
up first. Well, if Tuesday was lifeless and pathetic, I don't really know what else to say about last night. Essentially, nothing redeeming about the 4-2 loss in New York. That was basically a carbon copy of what we'd seen the previous night. Luis Castillo gave up home runs to the dynamic duo of Billy McKinney and Jake Bowers. He only made it five innings. The offense, again, anemic, putrid, whatever positive signs we had seen of some sort of an improved approach has essentially completely disappeared. Here was the closest thing I could find to an offensive highlight. Julio is lead. Here's the pitch. Swung on. Line drive. Volpe on a hop. It's off Volpe. It deflects to second base. It's picked up there by Torres who throws to first and gets Ty France. Wow. That ends the inning. It's been that kind of night for the Mariners. They're turned away here in the sixth. Yeah. (laughs) That was about as close as I could find. Dylan Moore did hit a late home run, but you just throw in this complete power outage. You got a recipe for disaster. They did bring the tying run to the plate in the ninth. Nobody out. And then they went fly ball, fly ball, strikeout. Tay Oscar missing a hanging slider. That was the opportunity of a lifetime right in the middle of the plate. Scott service, pretty unimpressed. You have to compete every night in this league. You got to compete. You got to fight really from the first inning on. I thought the last couple innings. Yeah. You know, and then get bats were better, but you really got to fight from the first inning on. And if you don't, you know, uh, you're going to be feeling good about it at the end of the game. So uh, we're better than that. Uh, we know we are and um, needs to turn. we got four more games on this road trip against really good teams. Um, we need to be more competitive. Yeah, there's just a sense of deja vu. We uh, talked to Ryan Divish, and he said almost exactly that. You get tired of watching the same old thing every night, like a bunch of bad at-bats, a bunch of swings and misses, you know, less than stellar play in the field. And it seems like every mistake they do make in the field always leads to a run. Yeah, all of that is true, although they made an error yesterday, which somehow didn't lead to a run. That was a miracle. It it is it has become certainly a major problem. And certainly we'll talk to Jerry DePoto about some of these things later today. 30. He will join us. But I don't know what kind of answers he's going to have. His team is just completely underperforming. One more in New York tonight. Try to salvage something. It'll be the rookie Brian Wu before they head up to Baltimore to see a team that's actually good. This Yankees team's not even good, and this is what's happening. My gosh, what a challenging situation. Here's the second thing you need to know. In the midst of all of this, and probably the biggest issue for this Mariner team, is the fact that its biggest star, Julio Rodriguez, is struggling as badly as anyone on this roster. He's chasing more. He's hitting less. Scott Service spent some time talking about him yesterday before the game. I think there's times he could benefit, and I've talked to him about it. And uh, I just think he's such a talented player. It's okay to hit with one strike. It's okay to hit with two strikes. And I think the more times you see a particular... You know, the release point, the break on the breaking ball, or what the two-seamer is doing out of his hand. The more times you see it, the more success you're going to have. Yeah, he's just not seeing enough pitches, right? He's swinging early in almost every count, and I, I know that sometimes you'll get a cookie early, and he's trying to ambush something, but they're not giving it to him. They know who he is. They know the scouting report. They know where they can get him out, and one thing we know about baseball is they're going to adjust to you. Can you adjust back to them? And that's obviously the situation he's faced with right now. I think people are paying uh, very close attention to Julio and, you know, certain characteristics uh, on how they're attacking him inside the strike zone, outside the strike zone. They're paying attention like you do all guys that are good players. You try to get them conscious inside. 
they are throwing some balls inside and then it opens up the outside corner. It's really hard to cover both. I think that's what you're seeing happen on a really consistent basis. Well, and unfortunately, those adjustments just haven't come. Will they? I would bet on it. In fact, I'd bet a large sum of money. The Mariners certainly have, and I would be right there to back up their bed if this was a craps table. But, you know, what you're seeing right now, not indicative of the kind of player we would expect from Julio Rodriguez. Here's the third thing you need to know. Well, when that game ended last night, I turned on the hockey game. I wanted to see some Game 7 action, an up-and-down series that finished with an up-and-down game. Unfortunately, Coachella Valley, on the wrong side of it, they were up 2 nothing. They gave it back. They had to go to overtime to settle Game 7 of the Calder Cup Finals, which, of course, crowns the AHL champion. 17 minutes or so in. Involved as well. Borgstrom in front. Vecchioni couldn't settle it down. Puck still available in front of the net. Loose puck, they score. Mike Vecchioni. If you couldn't tell, that was the Coachella Valley call that was on NHL Network last night. Not exactly excited when it went down, but just a big scramble in front of the net. I'll tell you, that was a fun game and a fun team to watch. Uh, That is, of course, the Kraken's minor league affiliate. They got some talent. They got some depth as well. And you can see sort of what's coming for the Kraken. Two guys that jumped out to me watching defenseman Riker Evans, who was one of their top picks a couple years ago. He is he's a player. I can see where he's going to contribute for this team. And if they do elect to let Carson Soucy go, he may be the guy to step right into that spot. And honestly, goalie Joey Decord is pretty darn good. He is active. He's busy. He gets into the game and I think fires his team up a little bit with how active he is. So and I'll tell you the last thing, I, I kind of wanted to see a little more from Shane Wright. Now, it's just one game. I just watched one game. I've not been, like, seriously following this run, but that was one thing I might have liked to have seen. That is everything you need to know. We do that quarter pass to every hour here on the Brock and Salk Show. Did you watch any of that game last night? It was fun. It was, a, it was fun to watch. I don't watch a lot of minor league hockey, um, but... You know, game seven, Calder Cup, let's go. Especially to, you know, like a little palate cleanser after having watched the Mariners for, for two and a half hours or mm-hmm. however long that game took. Well, yeah. That's what I was going to say. Is I My palate cleanser is I watched some David Attenborough Planet oh. Earth style show. Nice. Netflix while, while cooking dinner after that Mariners game. I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back away from the TV and just put something on that I can. Well, I can certainly understand that. Away from. I thought you went out for a bike ride to get outside for a little while. I was gonna. That's my. I was leaving last night to go to uh, Backfire Moto was last night. Oh yes, I thought and I heard. I thought I heard the motorcycles from my was, house. Yeah, you would have heard them. But I, no, I, the very last second I decided, no, I'm not gonna go. Hmm. So I didn't make it. But you still heard everybody. It's penguins, <laughs> crested penguins, <laughs> so penguin heading home. <laughs> so why are these woodlands so attractive to penguins? <laughs> Why can't Benedict Cumberbatch say penguin? Uh, have you heard him explain that? No. He went on a late night show. I think I have, I actually. asked him to explain it. <laughs> it's so funny, though. It's a great clip. There you go. There's your palate cleanser for today. Benedict Cumberbatch and his complete inability to pronounce the word penguins when he was asked to host the David Attenborough-style nature show. Yeah. Feels like that should have been a requirement. Hey, if we're going to talk about penguins, you got to be able to pronounce the word penguin. Just seems like an obvious question for the producer to ask. Or, hey, or after the first time you said it, was somebody like, "Hey, excuse me, wait, what are you saying? <laughs> Why are you saying pengling? <laughs> Let's let him say it seventeen more times, <laughs> and in three other different ways. <laughs> really bizarre. Uh, Ryan Divish has some uh, choice words for this team and what they're doing and what they can do next. Stick around; you'll hear them coming up on Brock and Salk. This this is Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Back in mornings from 6 to 10. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app.
All right, busy morning today. Talking some baseball right now with our friend Ryan Divish from the Seattle Times. He joins us. Good morning, Ryan. How are you? Good, Mike. It's uh, it's easier to do this in New York than yes. it is in San Diego. Yeah, no, we try to mostly just call you when you're in New York, knowing that it'll be a little later in the morning. I'm still a little impressed you're awake. I don't know. In New York, I've heard, is kind of a fun town. Yeah, but I, uh, I messed up my travel the other day, so I ended up taking the red eye in on Monday night and then getting here yesterday morning about nine and then trying to piece my day together with a nap. It wasn't good. So oh. I took it easy tonight. will be a little different, you know, so especially you, cause it looks like it's going to rain all day tomorrow. You took your nap during the day yesterday. The Mariners waited until about seven ten to take theirs. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, not, I mean, I've seen that game before in my life. That's for certain. The, the lack of offense, um, not many hard hit balls and, and then another loss. So it was, Pretty standard fare for this season, that's for certain. It felt worse to me last night, and maybe that's my own blinders or whatever, but last night, for whatever reason, got to me in a way that, I don't know, maybe because it's getting later in the year, you're now June 21st, maybe it was your uh, article earlier this week, kind of piecing together just what a hole they've dug for themselves in terms of the rest of the league. I don't know, something about just the lifelessness and, and with which they play. And I know every team looks lifeless when they're not hitting, it just didn't look right last night. Yeah, I don't think, honestly, it, it, I mean, like, they didn't play terribly, but they didn't play good. I mean, like, you know, we've seen games, we've seen maybe three-game stretches, four-game stretches where they played high-quality baseball. But, like, last year, that team always kind of played pretty well. They didn't, they weren't sloppy. Mm-hmm. They didn't make a lot of mistakes in the field. You know, they, they, they certainly didn't strike out as much as this team does. Um, and that that's just, it's like, you know, I guess for a lot of people, you just you get tired of watching the same old thing every night, like a bunch of bad at bats, a bunch of swings and misses, you know, less than stellar play in the field. And it seems like every mistake they do make in the field always leads to a run, you know, and, and given the way that they're constructed, given the way they've been playing, they can't afford to, to make mistakes. It's a it's a fine line to walk when you have to play on that high of a level every night just to have a chance to win, mm-hmm. not just to win, but to have a chance to win because they don't, they don't score enough runs. I mean, they just don't. It's, it's, you know, really it's putrid offense to watch a lot of times because they don't generate any excitement. You know, you thought this team would have some speed on the bases. Well, they don't get on base very much, you know, and they don't hit the ball enough when they do have runners on base. So it's just like for them to score anymore, like we were talking about last night, they needed a bloop single or an error by the Yankees lineup that I had about six guys that I've never heard of. And then, you know, somebody hits a fly ball, the right field that carries over the wall and Garrett Cole gets all mad and whines and complains. Yeah. I mean, all of those things are true. And, and so I guess I would ask you this, what would you do if you were in Scott's shoes or if you were in, you know, Jerry and Justin's shoes, what would you do? Well, well, I mean, I don't want to get in trouble with PETA, so you can't really do the sacrificing of the live chicken in the dugout or in the clubhouse. But I mean, like, they, I don't know what they can do because it's not like they can go out and get somebody right now. Guys aren't available, really. And if they do, they'd have to overpay. And I don't know that they're one bat away. Not that, you know, maybe Prime Babe Ruth would help them a little bit, but <laughs> I don't, they, they don't, they're not one bat away. And, like, Scott has sat there and preached and preached, and, you know, Jared DeHart and Tony Irons and all this. They've preached the, the, the approach they need to have uh and we had just we just haven't seen it especially with two strikes they get they get greedy you know like the other day when service was talking about it he was borderline calling some of them selfish 
you know, just about how they just get too big and they're trying to do too much. Where does that come from? What is the motivation? I mean, like, I think it's because they do care, but at the same time, you know, like figure it out. You know, if it's not working this long into the season, then you got to figure it out. And they just haven't. I thought, you know, I thought Jared Kelnick of all the people has had the best at bats with runners in scoring position. He's got hosed by the umpires a couple of times, but at least he understands what he's trying to do up mm-hmm. there, you know, and it's a very simplistic approach. And that's what they need to do is simplify because this isn't working, you know, and they don't have anybody like they can't go to triple a and get somebody and say, Oh, this guy's going to help. There's no upper level prospects. I mean, I guess, you know, you're hoping that one of these guys hits or, you know, maybe there's a waiver claim out there, but again, I don't, I just don't, they just, it's simple. They have to play better. This is who they are. It's like your Gene Hackman and Hoosiers, and you're standing out and telling the crowd, like, this is your team. You know, this is what you have right now. I mean, it's not going to get any better. And honestly, the thing is, is like, they're not giving Jerry a reason to go out and get guys either by playing better. I mean, like, yeah, it's his fault that maybe that it's his, you know, it's their fault that the roster's flawed going into it. But, you know, you still have to find a way. The roster was flawed and, in a year ago, it wasn't a perfect roster. Winker wasn't hitting. Frazier largely wasn't hitting at this point, you know, but they, they still managed to play well and give Jerry a reason to add Castillo at the deadline. And that's what they need to do. They have a couple of weeks because if you recall, I think they were four games back in the wild card in 21 when they traded Kendall Graveman, you know? Mm. So they I mean like they, you know, Jerry could try and do the buy and sell thing or whatever, you know, but I mean, like, if they're they're six or seven games out of it when the deadline comes, I don't think Teos Hernandez is on the team after that. Yeah, obviously, you know, depending on what he's wor- yeah, depending on what he's you know able to bring back and whether or not there's a market and all that. I, I totally agree and and understand what you're saying. So, two questions sort of come off of that for me. The first is because the word selfish is an interesting one. I know you didn't say that Scott used those words, but. What would lead? What would lead a player that has not been selfish in the past to act in a selfish manner this season? Well, you just look at your numbers. You, know, you look at your numbers. And say, well, I don't have the home runs I want. I don't have the hits I want. I don't have the RBIs I expect or desire. And you know, you you do a little bit more. You're like, well, I'm going to hit a three run bomb here, and it's going to make everything better. We're going to win. You know, and and I'm going to be the hero. I mean, it's, it's, it's not like they're out there just saying, Oh, I got to get my numbers. I got to get mine. You know, this isn't, this isn't like that, but it's just, it's the intent. It's just like dialing it back and saying, you know what? Contact here is just good enough. Like shorten up. I got two strikes or, you know, I'm up here. I'm just looking to get a ball into the outfield. The sack fly is good enough. You know, it's, that's where it's got to be. It doesn't have to be a home run. It doesn't have to be, you hit it a thousand miles an hour. A sack fly is good enough. And, you know, it was one of the players I really thought learned to do that more was uh, Nelson Cruz when he got here and he worked with Edgar and just, he learned to stay up the middle with two strikes. And you saw he became a better hitter. I mean, he flirted with 300 when he was here because he understood, he, he had a better understanding. It's just like, you know, you talk to Edgar, he, he got frustrated because so many of the younger players don't believe in that, that they don't change their approach or they don't, you know, kind of work up the middle when there's runners on base or if there's two strikes. And, and, you know, it's just a simple thing. It's, it's understanding that you have to just that contact and putting the ball in play is better than trying to take a daddy hack at a, a two strike pitch and looking stupid when you swing and miss. And it's not all the time. Like, look there, it goes in spurts, but like, and, and people are human, they have their own motivations and they want to be the hero and such. 
you know, but right now that's it's not working. You have to everybody has to kinda of have a, a moment in the mirror and look and say, Is what am I doing? Is this working? Because that's kind of what happened a year ago at this time. It wasn't the fight in Anaheim that got them going. They had just kind of a they had a, a knockdown drag out meeting and a lot of there were some fingers pointing at each other and it was all player driven. Like they, they just started accusing each other of not working and who's gonna do this and who's you know, and and they it moved forward. I don't know if that's what they need now because it's just pretty simple. They hit they have all the talent. They just don't hit with runners in scoring position and with two strikes. They just they're they're they give outs away way too easy. They gave it they give it bats away way too easy. Well, it's funny you bring that up because I actually you know you and I have sort of disagreed on that in the past, which is fine. But the but but seeing Scott last night and the whole Garrett Cole Caballero incident and then hearing Cole say afterwards that he was waving his finger at Scott, not at Caballero, because Scott was chirping at him from the dugout. Made me wonder if Scott was trying to, you know, there's only so many things in his power. There's only so many things he can do. And you and I both know that, you know, no major league manager in this day and age is flipping over a Gatorade table or screaming at his players. But he watched last year as that was maybe one of the things that fired them up. Is he trying to get them going with a common enemy again? I don't know if he's trying, but like Scott is, you know, it's so funny. Like people sit there and say, Scott has no emotion or, you know, this or that they only see what the cameras see. Like when we're at the park or you're at the park and I know you sat down at dugouts, you, there's so much chirping and so much talking between dug, dugouts. And I mean, like you, know, the Astros players hate Scott more than any team on the planet because he chirps at him all the time and he calls him out and he'll say stuff. I mean, look at this year, you know, like he's yelling at Martin Maldonado when Caballero got into it. Like, and that, that one coach, Big Omar, the guy with the glasses, he he wants to fight Scott every time they have a series. So it's like people think that he's not like he's like stoic and unemotional. No, they just don't see all the jawing and stuff. And when Scott blows up a player, which he does, he brings him down on the tunnel. He's never going to do it in front of the the media so everybody can see. He's, that's eyewash. You know, he he's going to prove his point, or and he doesn't blow him up to us very often. He'll say stuff to us off the record. But he'll never do it, you know, with the cameras rolling. But yeah, I I don't know. I just don't think. I mean, look, let's be honest. Garrett Cole is one of the biggest fake tough guys in all of baseball. It's like the other year when he was yelling at the the Blue Jays, and it's like he puts his arms back, like hold me back, right. hold me back. You yeah. know, it's yeah, you just yeah, you're dominating Jose Caballero, and then you're wagging your finger. It's like okay, yeah, you get you're on tonight. Do that in the first inning and see what happens, you know. It's well, he, so, to be fair to him, laugh. Ryan, he didn't have enough time in the first inning. They saw all of five pitches, and then he was back in the dugout. So he didn't oh. have, like, a lot of opportunity there to get it done. Yeah, I know. And, you know, he's probably afterwards going, you know, I just don't like how these people are moving on me in my Kermit the Frog voice, <laughs> and I'm 6'6", six, six, and I make $300 million. You think I could talk a little deeper? Hey, two minute, I just got two minutes here, but I, I got to ask you about it. And I asked Shannon the same question yesterday, but I'll get your opinion on it as well. What is Julio like right now day to day? Just sort of how, what kind of a space is he in? You know, I haven't. And, you know, we don't – I look post-game. You know, there was some frustration last night, I think. But I think you see some frustration. But I think Julio's belief in himself and that he, you know, he did it a year ago when things weren't going right and everything else, uh, that he's going to he's gonna come back from this and he's going to produce ultimately in the end. I mean, like, those guys have that kind of built into him. But remember, a year ago at this time, or when he was struggling a year ago, it's because he wasn't chasing pitches out of the zone and they were calling them strikes, hmm. you know. He was, he wasn't, he understood the strikes on what he wanted to hit and he was getting punished because the umps were bad. 
what is he doing now? He's not doing that. He's swinging a lot of stuff. Yeah. What, did he see five pitches last night or something? I mean, that's Yeah, he's got to shrink the zone a little bit. He's got to shrink the zone a little bit and and understand. And we've asked him, we told him, it's like, hey, are you prepared that the fact you're just not going to get as much to hit this year because you're the best player on the team? And even when you're going bad, and I talked to two scouts on the last time, saying, well, we're not going to throw him anything if he's going to keep getting himself out. We're not, there's no reason to throw him stuff in the zone, especially with two strikes, because he'll still swing at it. And he's the best player, and he'll change a game in one swing. So we're not going to give him one swing to change the game, uh, especially with runners on base, because he'll still swing at stuff. Yeah, and right and now it seems like even if he learn. gets it, he's popping it up. So just uh, just a frustrating time to watch this team right now. And last night was, for me anyway, just a... Uh, Hopefully, uh, uh, hopefully, last night was rock bottom. That's uh, that's my hope. Ryan, appreciate it, man. Enjoy a couple of days in New York and Baltimore. We'll see you when you get back. Yeah, it's good to get a good slice of pizza and a real bagel out here. I love that. Well, and plus, you get to see all the New Yorkers who are just delightful. Uh, what a what a oh, great yeah. experience for you to get to go to the center of the universe there and see all of the New Yorkers there. What a what a treat for you. Well, I'm staying in Times Square, so so there's not any New Yorkers, but it's really miserable down there. (laughs) That's the best part about Times Square. See you, buddy. Appreciate it. There's uh, Ryan Divish. uh, Does a great job, of course, covering the team from the Seattle Times. And, uh, well, we we honestly weren't going to play that. We're like, well, but nothing's changed since yesterday. Although the one thing I will add, uh, he tells that story about Scott Service, right, and how you, TV cameras don't always catch everything that goes down. And if Scott looks like he is, you know, stolid and not saying much on the bench, et cetera, like he doesn't have his team's back, it may be because you just aren't seeing what's happening. And, and Ryan pointed out last night that after the awful call to both uh, Teo and Kelnick. And look, I'm not saying those were the reasons the Mariners lost that game. Their offense was anemic. They did not generate any consistent pressure, but those were also bad calls. Like both things can be true at the same time. It's not an excuse. They were just bad calls. And I saw people and I, I know Divish did as well. You know, why doesn't Scott go out there? Why doesn't he have their back? Why is he such a wuss? Why is he just, well, you don't see that between innings, and Ryan does because he's there covering the team, Scott's screaming and cursing at the umpire. Mm-hmm. So just because you don't see it on TV doesn't mean it doesn't happen. Just because Scott sits there, you know, I, I think Scott, like a lot of people that I can relate to, has a bit of a temper. He gets mad. And I think he's worked really hard to control that because that's life as a manager in Major League Baseball. Quite frankly, that was probably something he had to learn as a player in Major League Baseball, right? That you can't get Raccoon mad. Boone doesn't attempt it. Huh? Oh, Aaron Boone? I'm I know. Sorry. Oh, well, not the brothers. that's true. Yeah. He, he's made no attempt to. Uh, no. Well, and his team kind of stinks, too. I mean, like, you know, he's got his own problems there. But it's hard, it, it's hard to play baseball that angry all the time. And it's even harder to manage a team that way. And so I think Scott's worked his butt off to not be like that all the time. I think he probably has a lot more fire than people think he does. And I think you, you just don't always get a chance to I mean, see that. I think we saw it pretty well last year in the bottom of a brawl. I think people. That's right. Like he's got it. That that gear is in there. Yeah. I think he chooses not to use it very often because yeah. it, it's, a, it's a place you can't go to that much. And really, it's worked incredibly well for him for quite some time. I know that there's a group of people out there that have a, you know, a Scott Vendetta and don't like him, and are mad about this, that, and the other. I got to tell you, I, 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 I've I, never agreed with that. I still don't agree with it. 
And I, I think Scott deserves every opportunity to dig his way out of what's happening right now because he's earned it. I honestly believe that. And I think he's pretty good at what he does. I'm also not blind to the fact that there seems to be a problem. And one of the questions I have written down for Jerry today, we talked to Jerry at 830, is, is where along in the process are things going wrong? Like, how is it that you've got a, an approach that everyone under, you know, that, 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 that management seems to understand and that Jerry can easily articulate? Where along the line from management articulating the approach to player executing the approach, is it going off the rails, right? I think about like a game of telephone when you're a kid, right? I whisper something into your ear. You whisper it to Mora. Mora whispers it to somebody else. Somebody else whispers it back to me. And somehow along the line, everything has changed. It's probably Justin's fault, but everything has changed. Justin's got like, you know, motor oil in his ears or whatever, and it screws everything <laughs> up, oh, right? That's, that's probably right. <laughs> but if you think if you really but, think about but that, where, though, where is yeah. it getting screwed up? Think like. It, I mean, there's only one place it could be the second you walk up to the plate. Well, it's not true. I mean, there's plenty of ways it can be. Well, you, I, but you know the approach. It's the execution of the approach. You think so? Is it, is it the execution? Is it a mental decision? Yeah, I know they told me that's the approach. Whatever. Not interested. Don't want to do I, I that. Can't, I can't see them doing that because it worked last year. I, I just, I don't, the only thing that, as a player, the only thing I can think of is getting up to the plate and it going out the window for some reason or another. Not that it, you don't trust it. Not that you don't have all the information. Just that it's not. It, you're just you're you yourself are not executing it. Well, I, I mean, certainly that is a possibility, and certainly somewhere along the line it has gone wrong. Justin, you're probably right that that is the most likely answer to it. But as as Jerry and Scott have both said here in the last week or two, like. Well, then that's when you've got to change up the messaging in some way in order to reach them in a new in a new fashion. Find the new thing that works. Right. Anybody ever take golf lessons or swing lessons or anything like that? Right. Essentially. So I, I, I go see this guy, Jim Bennett. Jim's great. Love Jim. He's a pro golf discount in South Center. Does an awesome job. Mm-hmm. I have nothing but the best things to say about Jim. I would say he's taken 10 strokes off my game. Awesome. There are times. Well, it took a while. Let's not be. <laughs> but that's more a problem with the uh, execution. <laughs> I've I've watched Jim give lessons in there, and he basically, and I love the man. He's awesome. He basically says the same thing all day. Swing inside out. You know what you got to do? Swing inside out. And he's got like three million different ways and techniques and drills and everything else to try to message the same thing over and over again. Swing inside out. Stay inside the ball. Swing inside and out. Inside out. Try to hit a draw. Now, there's a million ways you can say it. Remember to hit to right field. Remember to keep your elbow in. Remember to keep your hands in. Remember to keep your head back. He, he's, he's got 29,000 different ways to get you to do the same thing. And when you start, you know, one that works, you remember it for a while. This is why Brock was saying the other day that I was, uh, what did he say? That once I found a fix, I feel like I've got it, my one swing thought, and everything's going to be great. And it is for a little while. And then something else goes wrong, and it's up to Jim or me whoever it is, to start messaging it in a new way and come up with a new trick to just do the same thing. Hitting a golf ball is different from hitting a baseball, but they yeah. share quite a bit in common in terms of, you know, a swing thought, et cetera. And obviously those guys are better than I am at everything that they do, swinging a baseball. Mm-hmm. But trying to remember and message that approach and coming up with new ways to do it, they work for a little while, they fade for a little while, they work for a little while. I mean, like... 
That's the game. But the also the, and I know that you know this and acknowledge it, the problem with the golf analogy is there's not a pitcher on the other end of that. Totally. So, like, your approach does work until they change their approach. Yes, but I guess what I'm saying is it's up to the Mariners to remember the approach, just like it's up to me to remember the swing thought. I got to assume uh, that those guys don't need to think about their swing thoughts as much anymore because they're pretty darn good at that. Like that, that's why they've spent countless hours in the cage so that the swing is where they want it to be. Now it's up to them to actually take the, the approach and do it the right way. And they're all capable of it because they've done it before. I think that's one of the things that's so freaking bizarre and aggravating about this team. There are times where we've watched Mariners teams where you're like, I don't know whether Mike Zanino is ever going to get it. Right? Like, young player might never get it. Dustin Ackley, don't know if he's ever going to get it. Yeah, Nick Franklin. Yeah, we can, right. We can right. Can Nick Franklin. Over, yeah, over. go through all of Brad Miller. Like, yeah. go through all of those players of the Jack Sorensic era, and you're like, yeah, Justin Smoke. Is he ever really going to get it? Yeah, you see some glimpses, but it's like, I've never seen God, him prove Michael it. Saunders. Like, we, you could do that over and over. Adam over. Moore. Like, yeah, yeah, you've never seen him prove it. Mm-hmm. I've seen all these guys prove it. True. I've seen every one of them prove it. I've seen Suarez. I've seen Ty France. I've seen Julio. Not for very long. It was only a year, but I've still seen it. Right? I've seen all of these guys do it. And to watch them not do it is is just mind-bogglingly frustrating. It, it, it is It has gotten me to a, a, a crazy point. So I've we, hit my limit, to, and I'm, I'm at crazy. Yeah. You know they can do it. It's, you know, they can execute, you know, they know the process, you trust the process. The swing decision is where that all goes out the window then, right? I don't know. I don't know what it is. Maybe. I mean, certainly, Justin, that's logical. But I don't know, man. I'm now just to this point where, where this has driven me crazy. And by the way, it's my own fault. I'd like to blame myself here. Everybody who ranted and raved during the first two months of the season... I didn't. I'm still frustrated, right? It's still awful watching a team not play up to its potential. But I'm trying to be patient. Trying to do the things you're supposed to do. Trying to keep it inside. Like, Are you saying you were pushing it down? Well, I mean, I was certainly frustrated watching them not play up to their potential. But you remember and you try to, you know, stay in that like, hey, they're better than this. I remember. Don't get mad now. You know how this goes. And so I kept it in and kept it in and kept it in and kept it in and kept it in. And I'm not built like that. If you know anything about me, I am not built to keep it in. I'm built to let it out. Well, now it's coming out, man. It's coming out my ears. It's coming out my nostrils. It's coming out everywhere. My pores. I'm sweating. Sounds Gross. Mora, it's coming out of me. I can't help it. <laughs> my elbow hurts like, like LeBron. LeBron. My head hurts. I'm hurting all over my body. Head to toe. That's the spot I'm in. It's coming out, man. It's coming out my pores. And I don't know what. I, I still can't wait to watch that. Like I'm still, like I'm glutton for punishment. Yeah, you are. I'm going to go back and watch the game. Of course I am. That's what I do. This is how I'm programmed. I'm wired this way. And I know you probably will also. But God, do I really hope something is going to click. Somebody's going to hit a home run. Someone's going to just get this thing moving in the right direction because they're all capable of doing it. We'll be right back. Brock and Salk, Sales Sports on 710. My poor, um, I'm sweating. My gosh. 